Welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast, powered by Goodwill. The Goodwill Drive to Victory continues in Week 7 at Hoover and Lake. The donation drive kicked off last week at Jackson and Glen Oak, and those two schools combined for more than three tons of donations, with Jackson winning the challenge to earn the $250 scholarship. See who wins this week. Look for Goodwill trailers set up at Hoover and Lake throughout the school day this week to receive donations of clothes and housewares. I'm Chris Bevan of the Can Repository, along with Joe Scalzo, and we're here to look ahead to Week 7 for Stark County area football teams. And Joe will kick it off with uh, probably the top Federal League game in in Week 7, and that's Jackson McKinley playing at the Hall of Fame uh, Tom Benson Stadium. Yeah, and you just see a McKinley team that's just getting better and better. They they beat Lake 55-35 last week, and I looked it up. That was the most points given up by Lake since 2012. Hudson had 56, and... Um, that, that's something that Lake really tries to avoid, and and I know that uh, you know they just kind of you, you know once Lemire Garrett got rolling and you add in Elijah Curtis, they they've just kind of been explosive offensively, and and Kyrie Woody had an 84 yard pass that was basically a wide receiver screen, so they're they're really doing a lot of good things, and and it's kind of funny because like Jackson was that explosive team last year, and this year they're a lot more. Um, a lot more conservative in their approach. They're they're running it a lot more and and trying to help their defense out. And, and they're leading the the federal league in defense um, so far. I think they've, they've given up like about 130 or 115 points or something like that. So um, kind of an interesting matchup. And I, I think you know for McKinley, there's you know there's certain games that they look at and they say they 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 need to get tested ahead of Maslin. And I, I think they would probably um, like to see you know maybe a game where they're, they're, it's tough into the fourth quarter on this one. I, I, you know, obviously you'd look and say they they got tested by Hoover, even though they ended up pulling mm-hmm. away. But looking at what Hoover then went on and did last week against Perry, that win even stands up even more for McKinley, and probably a big reason why. As we're recording this, it's about a half hour after the computer ratings came out for the through week six, and McKinley uh, leads its computer region, which I think is a jump up of four or five spots for them from where they were last week. Um, so a lot on the table with this game because Jackson comes into this week number eight in that region and that is a ultra competitive region where teams can't afford too many slip-ups to uh to make it and really can't afford any slip-ups if they want to host a game yeah and it's so important to get you know avoid one like those nasty first round matchups in that region just because Cuyahoga (laughs) County trip does not end well for many teams yeah so I I mean I think McKinley is probably a little bit better at this point of the season. I thought they would be. I remember I saw them in week one. I thought they'd be a solid seven and three, eight and two, maybe kind of team. And, and, uh, you know, but they've had just everything come together. There, Jalen Ross came from, back from St. V's last year. They got Willie Mitchell, a, a linebacker that kind of appeared out of nowhere a couple of weeks ago. And there's been some grumbling about, about where did this kid come from, from some coaches, but he's been an impact player. And, and, you know, they just, they're a school that has a lot. I have a lot of boys and a lot of talent anyway, so once those guys get experience, they're a little bit dangerous. Well, they have the tradition when you have the numbers, that means kids are going to keep coming out. You know, Some recurring theme for, I think, a lot of schools is they struggle with numbers, but when you have good tradition, it helps the kids to stay with it and, and gives you that depth, and then you get the few breakout guys. I think the one constant with McKinley that you didn't mention would be at quarterback, Elijah Curtis. We talked a lot about him last week, but I think he, each week he continues to build on that resume and he's just been such a integral part of that team not just with the numbers 
but just as a leader and in, in, in bringing it all together. Yeah, and I think that's probably the, the thing that's allowed them to, to develop the way they have because they knew they had him early and he kind of sets the standard and and winning begets winning and all those things. So he was able to get them those early wins and, and uh, you know, they just know that when they need a play, they can count on him, but he's gotten a lot more help lately. And, and uh, it's funny because I was talking to Dan Reardon yesterday and he's just cautioning about how, you know, in August, people were like saying how tell the guys on the team you'll be lucky to win a game, and now they're talking about first round playoff matchups and stuff like that. And he's like, "Hey, okay, look, we went from one extreme to the other. Let's focus on on improving because the road gets a lot tougher over the next couple of weeks. And and the last you know few years under Reardon, um, they haven't performed the way they wanted to late in the season. I think one thing that would help them perform well." late in the season and on into the postseason if they're to extend their season would be having a consistent reliable running game Lemire Garrett has kind of emerged the, the last couple of weeks and and uh, I would think against Jackson that would be a big thing having him uh, be able to continue to produce you know a hundred yard type nights yeah because Jackson's really good up front you know them and Hoover um, they get some big guys you know they can and and you know they're a team that can they can get pressure on Curtis without having to blitz too much and you know they're they're you know <laughs> they got some dudes up front that that are gonna probably be bigger than some of the McKinley kids so yeah it'll be interesting to see if, if McKinley can run the ball then that just changes everything but if they can't um, I, th- I think Jackson got a chance to, to stay in that game and maybe pull a shocker. Looking at Jackson's offense, quarterback again, a key for them. Unlike McKinley, it was a new guy coming in, but a, a, a young man who knows how to excel, standout baseball player mm-hmm. that, that's come in and Trey Wright and taken over at quarterback. And uh, each week seems to be getting better and better. And uh, again, I think he's the type of guy that probably beyond whatever he's doing, throwing the ball, uh, provides you with some intangibles. He's a winner. Yeah, he's he's about six inches shorter than, than Jared Pilata, so he just looks physically different. But but he has, <laughs> if I recall, the best beard in Stark County. I don't know if he still has that for football, but in baseball season, I remember uh, he had a major league beard going. I don't know how your beard was in high school. Mine was uh, not major league. The same as it is now, non-existent. But yeah, he's a really good athlete, and he's very accurate, and and he's got a guy, Jake Ryan, that's going to be, you know, a big play guy. He's, you know, a different receiver than Kyrie Woody, but, you know, those two guys are fun to watch, and and, uh, there's just a lot of of cool stuff about that game. I think it, it probably is... Um, head and shoulders over every other game in, in Stark County this week, and it's it's you know been a game over the last couple of years that has had a lot of marquee type players in it, mm-hmm. and, and some excitement with it, and and it obviously it helps that every year it's been about this time of year that it's been played. It's not been a week four yeah. game. It's been a game in the later part of the season that that has an impact on what's going to happen with these two programs and other programs, uh, obviously in the league as well. Yes, yeah, what's interesting is that Jackson hasn't beaten them since I think it was '07. I think it's a ten year streak right now um it doesn't feel that way just because some of the games have been really competitive so um you just haven't been able to get over that hump so we'll see if they can do that this week that's jackson and mckinley they play friday night seven o'clock at benson stadium we'll talk about a couple of more federal league matchups in just a second the akron children's hospital game of the week powered by iHeartRadio, continues friday october 5th with that jackson mckinley game mckinley is hosting jackson kickoff 7 p.m broadcast starts at 6 30 with the old carolina a pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin and Jeff Shreve provide the call each Friday night with our own Todd Porter on the sidelines. Another big Fetter League game uh, is Lake and Hoover. 
Hoover, we talked about briefly at the, the Open, coming off the big win over Perry last week. Lake, on the flip side, is really looking to to find some positives after the great start. They've really struggled the last three weeks. Yeah, and, and, and Lake's in danger of being one of those good teams with a bad record that you can find in the Federal League. I, I think they've got some pieces. They just don't have as many. And, uh, you know, so Paul Troyer has been really solid and Ty Hunt at receiver has been really good for them. But um, Cameron Martin's a great running back. Yeah, but they haven't been able to run it quite as effectively as they like. I mean, Lake likes to just, you know, kind of run it, run it down your throat, kind of like Perry does, although it's a different offense. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of an issue because Perry or Hoover's really good up front, both sides. So we'll see if, um, you know, if that kind of becomes the 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 story of the game but um boy you know i was really impressed with hoover and and your their sophomore quarterback connor ashby what i saw last week against against perry and um more specifically i was really impressed with how their line just kind of dominated up front you don't see perry uh, getting beat that way i was uh reading your preview stuff for later in the week that'll be in our first down section on thursday and uh one of the things that jumped out uh, was from coach to george talking about Ashby and, and pointing out that Hoover doesn't do a whole lot. They're not they're not trying to ask too much of the sophomore, but the things they're doing, they do really well and he does really well. Yeah, and and, and uh he's very good at making quick decisions and, and delivering passes accurately. And when you can you do that you don't need to have like a super complicated offense where they shift fifteen times and go through five progressions. He knows what he's doing and everything happens really fast and and uh, he doesn't look to run it a ton, but he's really effective when he does. And um, it's fun. It's funny. I was at the Curbstone Coaches yesterday, or not the Curbstone, but the uh, Hall of Fame Luncheon Club. Sorry, that was my Youngstown roots coming back to me. <laughs> Hall of Fame Luncheon Club, and, and Gordon Nisley, who coached at Hoover for a million years, and he's he's about uh, close to ninety years old. I think he said that he, um, he, he that. Connor Ashby is the best quarterback he's ever seen at Hoover, and it's over like a sixty-year span. So, talking some good quarterbacks too. Uh, one that played in the NFL and is still well known to people with Todd Blackledge, and mm-hmm. obviously recently he had a quarterback go on and eventually play at Florida with Appleby and uh, Dom Hero, another one that was really good recently, and you can go on and on. A lot of really good Hoover quarterbacks in that stretch of uh, years. Yeah, and I don't know that I'm I'm ready to crown him quite that fast. It's it's a lot for a sophomore. Some of it too is just you know the way offenses have changed have become so much more quarterback friendly, so right. it's different to to measure. But um, you know he's certainly very impressive. He's going to be a big handful for everybody to to handle over the next couple of years. But again, his line helps him so much, and and uh, Adam Gregulo is uh, is is running back is you know not the flashiest guy in the world, but he's big and strong and tough and fast and. Um, so they got a lot of help too, and just you know they they got some pieces there. It's definitely a much improved Hoover team, and they were a good team last year that just needed a few breaks to go its way. Um, I, I think the thing that'll be interesting to see is we we talked a lot about them getting that big breakthrough win and, and that program win. They got it last week. I think the next step for a lot of teams like that is then. Do they take a step back, especially when it's an opponent that they you know are obviously a favorite against, or do they show that they have that focus, they have that mindset that that they build on that win and come out and take care of business the next week? Yeah, that's probably the next step in their progression. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know even though Lake lost fifty five thirty five last week, they were still coming at McKinley. I mean, there was a couple 
you know, big plays, including a fake punt. I was going to say the fake punt kind of broke that open. But, yeah, I mean, and to George is saying that, that they're going to get a couple guys back, hopefully, on the line this week. You know, traditionally, this has been a kind of a, a coin toss kind of game. I think Lake had a four-year uh, winning streak in this series until last season. So, um, yeah, I mean, Hoover's got to stay focused and they got to play well to beat Lake. Um, you know, just because Lake's on a three-game losing streak doesn't mean that, that they're, you know, not capable of winning this one. Another team looking to come off a loss is Perry. The Panthers uh, were 5-0, and got beat by Hoover last week. You know, had the 14 nothing lead. Things went south on them. They also dealt with some injuries. Going to be dealing with some of those injuries this week. They'll be on the road at Green. Uh, I thought I saw that Coach Wakefield told you something about like five ankle injuries or something <laughs> like that. Uh, a great Keith Wakefield lineup. It looks like he's got a bunch of three-legged dogs out there. Um, I'm thinking those dogs will have some bite in them too this week. Though. Yeah, it's funny. I, I Sometimes when you hear, hear Keith Wakefield talk, he refers to like an ankle injury almost as like a weakness of mentally or something. Like You shouldn't have that. <laughs> It should only be broken bones that count. But uh, it, it, he talked to me about, uh, I asked him about how practice went on Monday. This is this morning. And he said that it was very difficult. Uh, he did not like what he saw from his team. He felt like a lot of guys quit uh, against Hoover and just didn't give full effort. And um, he made things pretty miserable for him last night. I imagine that's going to happen again tonight and tomorrow. So um, it's either suffer on Friday or suffer the other couple of days, but um, Green's probably a good matchup for them. They're you know they're a little banged up, and I think they'll probably have an advantage at some some positions. And um, you know nothing against Green, but they've struggled a little bit this year. And, and I know that uh, you know it's good to maybe not have like a McKinley that following week um, to play. So we'll see what happens with Perry. But I, I would imagine like I. I thought after last year's loss to Jackson that they might be done and they came back and just won like six straight so I would imagine that uh, you don't want to make too much of one loss when it's a Keith Wakefield team. I thought a good point though from Coach Wakefield was pointing out that Green excels in the areas that Perry kind of struggles which obviously has to be a concern for him this week when you're trying to get the the mentality back up after a tough loss uh, green has struggled but they have a couple of skill guys at quarterback and running back they're as good as anybody that anybody around here has yeah i mean uh, cage williams is uh if if we never elijah curtis and even kind of ashby i mean he was in the conversation for as talented a guy as in the federal league at quarterback and and uh you know Keith said that uh, Porter Flynn, their running back, was the best back he's seen this year, which I thought was pretty high praise. Their, their problem right now is Matt Amison, their star Ohio linebacker, is banged up. I don't know if he's going to be back yet. Um, and their defense got gashed pretty good by Highland last week. So he, you're fighting you know, some injuries. You're fighting some, some maybe some depth issues anyway. And then... You know, you're also fighting the fact that you're one in five and, and you don't have as much to play for. So we'll see how Green responds. But I would think Perry's going to come out angry and, and, and look to, you know, solidify things because, you know, they're not in the playoffs right now either, even though they're five and one. Yeah, th- there's not uh, any room for error like we'd mentioned in Division Two either. And, and mm-hmm. Perry's got tough roads a- ahead of it, including that McKinley game in week nine. So this is not one they can afford to slip up on. And you mentioned coming in one in five. I think this is the time of the year where you 
see what programs have pride and where you have senior classes that even though they're not going to end with a postseason berth or with a league title or any of the obvious things you're playing for, they still want to go out the right way and, and steal a game. And this could be a chance for green remind you that the goodwill drive to victory donation drive continues in week seven at Hoover and Lake high schools ahead of Friday's Lake at Hoover game. Each school will have a goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations, wins a $250 scholarship. Jackson and Glen Oak kicked off the donation drive last week, combining for more than three tons of donations. Jackson won the challenge. See who wins this week's challenge. The other big game of week seven, non-league, as are anything that Maslin plays in since they are not in the league. But uh, this game... uh, uh, I, I've been kind of talking about it for weeks here, building up, because as Maslin continues to not get challenged too far into games, this one I think changes at East St. Louis. It's the all-time winningest program in the state of Illinois. Maslin holds that distinction in Ohio, so you're talking about two really proud programs. And uh, when I was looking through the, the preview material for tomorrow's first down, another thing that really jumped out at me, and I'm sure you caught it as well, this is the first Maslin team to win its first six games by 28 or more points since Paul Brown's last team in 1940. So I think anytime you're going back pre-World War II for something <laughs> and you're going back and it's Paul Brown, that's a, that's a stat that catches you. Yeah, and if, if memory serves, I think in my special I, I had mentioned that Max Preps named that, that Paul Brown team in forty the third best of all time or something? I remember them being in our Stark's Greatest Series. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they that, that might have been the team that was outscoring people like 406 to 12 or yeah, some ridiculous guess, yeah. number. Yeah. I think they had nine shutouts or something like that. Yeah, yeah I just remember <laughs> just, just these stats that just don't make sense. Um, yeah, and, and East St. Louis comes in 5-1, and one, and like you said, they've, they've got a really strong tradition there, and, and Maslin needs that game. You know, they've, they've uh, I think they got tested by Austintown Fitch. Um, they need to continue to get tested. Um, we've mentioned it a lot this year. Uh, you know, Hoban's looming. McKinley is certainly looming. And, uh, you know, that's a game that's going to make you better. So, And it's kind of an interesting, just kind of a cool thing, I think, when you get somebody from a, you know, a strange area that you're not familiar with. It's just It kind of shows the draw of Stark County and, and the Hall of Fame and the tradition here that someone would be willing to come from New Jersey or from Illinois. And um, certainly not just a Canadian team looking for a, a paycheck and a trip to the Hall. Like, this is a team that, that doesn't need to necessarily play, you know, a couple states over. And um, so that's a, a sign of respect respect for for this area for sure despite you know blowing people out all year the tigers do face some adversity the kind that i don't think any coach really wants to face but knows they will at some point injuries finally uh rearing their ugly head for the tigers and they'll be minus a wide receiver this week yeah their second leading receivers out and and uh you know as you mentioned kind of before we were you know started this podcast that's probably the one position that they can um, before Jane Ballard had a big game last week, um, kind of stepped up, but, um, yeah, you know, at some point though, like you want to stay healthy as you can and, and, uh, you know, we'll see what, what they do from the round on, but, you know, key players, you got to keep them healthy and, and, uh, this is a rough sport. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay healthy for 15 weeks if you want to do it. So, um, anything can change in one game. 
the uh, the other big factor, not big factor, well, he will be a factor, but a big note in that game is Jameer Thomas uh, continues to close in on a couple of mass on all-time records, uh, 89 yards away from the career rushing record, two touchdowns away from the career rushing touchdown record. So that could be a, a monumental night uh, for him personally as well as his uh, Maslin Tigers. Final game we wanted to touch on, Youngstown Mooney against Louisville. One of the interesting games that Louisville had to pick up once it uh, had to go the non-league route uh, as an independent and try to find games and um, this is not uh, not the Mooney team of you know a decade ago uh, when when Joe Scalzo worked in Youngstown and covered them a lot one of the things that was always a highlight every year was the all district meeting where Joe would come over with like 15 guys from Mooney getting a spot on the team uh, I think it was called the Moonification of the district team uh, those days seem to be a little past right now but uh, a team that could uh, definitely present some problems for Louisville as it continues the the surge that started when it beat Lake yeah if you had, if you had scheduled Ursuline and Mooney back to back 10 years ago that was not a winning formula for anybody both teams went to the state final four years in a row uh, I think Dan Reardon led to uh, won three of those and, and then I and, um, so um <laughs> But you know, like you said, it's this is now a winnable game for him. It's not going to be an easy one, but um, I, I like this matchup. I I think uh, you know I I think Louisville has kind of been under the radar a little bit just because they they have got off to the slow start. But um, boy, you know, if they can slip into Division Three, especially with Hoban not in there, you know, there's a, a rematch with. I think they played Canfield in week one, and they only lost 21-14. Well, that team's, you know, I think state ranked number one in Division Three, and they're probably, you know, somewhere pretty high up in the – and I think they're number one in Division, you know, that, that region that they're in. So, um, Louisville can do some damage if they can get through, and you got to win games like this. And, and we've said it all along. Other than the Maslin game, I think in week nine. It's week nine. I was just looking. The, the, everything lines up for them to, to maybe make that run at Division three and getting in. Yeah. But but they're – they have to take care of business. None of these are easy. They've got South Range next week. Then it's Maslin at Louisville. And then they finish up with Central Catholic. So three big games after this one. And, uh, you know, Colton Jones has uh, put up some big numbers. I think the the thing that probably the coaches liked last week was Max Hartline had one of his bigger games running the ball, 100-plus mm-hmm. yards. Um, if Louisville is going to get 100-yard type efforts from the running back, with the passing game that they present and the, the weapons they have out on the edge of receiver, that's a really tough offense for anyone to handle, really. Yeah, I mean, 45 points. I, don't, I mean, I don't care if even if it's a bad Matt Ursuline team. That's that's impressive. And, and uh, you know, they're really never out of a game. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the only drawback, I guess, is just that when you don't have league titles in the line and you don't have that kind of thing, um, it, it's – you know, maybe not quite that juice for the the players, especially if a, a team is from Mahoney County. So, but uh, they took care of business last week. And we'll see what happens this week. Big week for Louisville as they look to try to make a run at the playoffs. So, week seven, we'll have some big games. We've talked about them here. We want to remind you that one of them will be on Friday Night Ohio through iHeartRadio. That is the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio for Friday, October 5th. Jackson at McKinley. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. Thanks for downloading and listening to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast, powered 
powered by The Goodwill, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive continues in Week 7 at Hoover and Lake High Schools ahead of the Lake and Hoover game. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. Check back for another podcast late Friday night after Week 7 is complete. For Joe Scalzo, I'm Chris Bevin.